0: Hi guys, welcome back to the pod. So this week I'm chatting to Darren Wild, a, another lovely girl that I've met through the Vocology and Practice uh, forums. Uh, we met actually in the Cork forum a couple of years ago and we've remained connected through the um, platform of Instagram over the last couple of years and I've been following her journey as a coach um, a performance and communications coach. So in the episode, Darren explains to us what a performance coach is, what a communications co- coach can do for us, and who might need a coach of this kind. Um, she talks about how to reach your full potential in all our roles, but especially as a performing artist and creative. Um, She shares a little insight into the neuroscience that provides insight into the likes of performance anxiety uh, and stage fright, as well as what we can do to prepare to reach our optimal performance mentality. I really enjoyed this chat. Um, I really found it kind of inspiring and um, it was a nice way to reset and look to the future. So I really hope you enjoy it. Um, So let us know what you think in the comments and we'll see you very soon. So what kind of coach are you?
1: I am a communications and performance coach uh, so I've recently finished my dissertation in a MSc in personal and management coaching but my background is very much in media, communications, music, performance um, so that's my area so what I'm doing is applying the coaching skills I've learned to my background in my area which is again media, communications and performance
0: that's so interesting it's it's really interesting as you kind of get older and the more courses you do and the different life experiences you have we end up kind of like molding all of our like skills and experiences together and kind of like almost like tailoring our career which is kind of cool right
1: definitely i think i think that's the part of a creative as well um i know you you and i had a chat previously whereby we were saying you know it's a little bit of everything and who you are is very much a part of your craft as a creative person so that totally embodies all your life experiences good and bad um but as well i think the things you learn from people i know in my life anyway there's been a really there's been a lot of influential people in what i have done in my journey in terms of the paths i've chosen the studies i've chosen but as well those little nuggets of advice they just seem to um guide and ever so gently I suppose steer what I'm doing um which I am eternally grateful for I think I think we all kind of have one of those or two of those people in our lives would you say
0: like people who kind of guide us and kind of shove us in the right direction Mm -hmm. yeah I'm sure like 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 people come in and out your life and they kind of um might open your mind to something that you hadn't thought of but might have been something that you that when they say it you're like oh my god why didn't I think of that like that's definitely what I should be doing yeah
1: yeah 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 exactly
0: you you did your your um your undergraduate in um marketing and communications was that was that what it was
1: so multimedia multimedia um, yeah so there would have been I suppose there would have been little elements of marketing in it but it was definitely mm-hmm. a media course so media mm-hmm. communication so I would have been very much trained I suppose in behind the scenes more so the production side of TV, radio, photography, and I specialised in audio. So sound is my thing. Um, I've right. been in musician since I was three, and choirs. I'm very passionate about choirs as well. So the technical side of sound, sound production, sound engineering, all of that fascinated me. So I specialised in that in my undergrad. Loved it. Had an absolute ball. And then I went on. And I did a master's in radio and TV production um, in Minute. So that was great mm-hmm. crackers I met really nice people on that course and got some hands-on experience which was great and yeah from there then we were into a recession um mm-hmm. but a couple of years uh, my music was my fallback during the recession and I got to uh, start my own female choir which was incredible and thereafter I suppose what's I your
0: choir around. called
1: well they're they're disbanded now unfortunately mm-hmm. but at the time they were ri- wild roses
0: oh I love it You've got such a great surname for like branding and stuff.
1: I know. <laughs> it, it sounds terrible. so
0: pretty. <laughs>
1: I, well, what I will say in my defense, the girls actually chose that name. Believe it or believe it not.
2: <laughs> but it. They
1: they chose the name because I think there was a, uh, the Wild Irish Rose, that piece of music. And we just happened to look at it one day and they were like, oh my God, that's the name. So it stuck and obviously we stuck with my spelling of the word wild mm-hmm. um but yeah it was a great time like I worked with the girls for about three and a half years and I think choral singing is just it's just a unique form of obviously music but also expression and there's that whole element of community and
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's just a different level of bonding and getting to know people um and as well again I'm biased because I absolutely love choral music but I do think it it can evoke something very very unusual and very different and very unique in the audiences and the people that you know choose to tune in so
0: what kind of what kind of um genre what kind of music were you doing with the choir
1: so we were doing a little bit of everything. We would have one of our first gigs we were asked to perform for a wedding. So we had to do a certain amount of liturgical, but mm-hmm. there was also like some show tunes and some like we did um we did stuff by Metallica, we did stuff by you kind of name it. We did it so mm-hmm. as long as it so as long as it worked for the voices. There were quite a young group of women, I suppose ranging in age from probably 18 to about 35, maybe 40.
0: Okay.
1: Um So, yeah, it was just great crack. And we used to get invited to, you know, perform at, um, what was the most random thing? We got invited one day to perform at a a Christmas fair out in Trump International Hotel in Doombeg. Wow, it's so Irish. I mean, you just couldn't write this stuff, (laughs) And and like that, it was absolutely Baltic. And I remember I didn't have an accompanist, so I had to accompany as well as direct, as you do with your head, as I'm Mm -hmm. sure anybody (laughs) anybody who's ever had anything to do with um, group musical performances ended up nodding their heads for quite a lot of it but um, yeah it was just brilliant we just had such a nice time we got invited to lovely things and got to do a lot of charity stuff as well which is always it's nice to be asked but it's nice to do as well so yeah it was great
0: yeah, it's it's really like fulfilling to be involved in community music in some way because of because of the community aspect of it and just having kind of a network around you of people who are just passionate about music or whatever it is you're doing. And so, in your undergrad, you were saying you specialised in was it like sound production, like live sound production, like as in sound engineer?
1: So what they called it was they had three different areas. So they had imaging, which was essentially I suppose graphic design, photography, and it's in visual. Um they had TV, which was as it was, as you can imagine. Well, they called it video, so any sort of video production. And then they had audio, which was what I did. So mm-hmm. it would have been live, as in I would have had experience running a desk in a studio. Okay. Um, as well as how to set up mics, different formations, as well as pre recorded stuff. So let's say foley work, outdoors, you know, that kind of thing, cool. soundscapes, sound effects. All of that, I got a really general overview and I had a, the most a wonderful and amazing lecturer. He's no longer with us, unfortunately, but he was just an incredible individual. So inspiring. The type of individual that could impart knowledge without you realising you were learning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And it, it's not until you turn to do something, you're like, I know how to do this. How do I know how to do this? He just was gifted as a teacher. Um, And again, he was a musician, would have composed he composed an awful lot as well. Mm. Um, so, just really talented, as you say, attracting the right people. And th- I think that is the gift. I, that is the gift of creativity. I think we can see each other. I do believe that. I think creatives can definitely see each other in a way that we just all resonate together and we find one another. Yeah. Um, which is. Kinda- not-
0: it kind of sounds woo woo, but it's, it's true. Like anyone who, is, who kind of works in the creative field will, will know what, we, what we're talking about when you say that, you know.
1: But even I think anybody who maybe doesn't work in the creative field, but has that sideline hobby or, mm-hmm. you know, goes to singing lessons in the evening or has kind of picked up the guitar or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You can see it. You can see that little spark of magical madness. <laughs> yeah um, you know exactly what I mean and there's, yeah. I hope that there's a few people nodding their heads as they listen to this as well but it's it's a wonderful method of connecting with other people um mm-hmm. and fundamental like that is my word connection is my word it's probably my favorite thing to talk about and it's my favorite thing to experience mm. um so, yes, to be connected with other people. But anyway, I've totally dodged your question in terms of the sound engineering. Oh, yes. no,
0: that's, that's pretty much what I wanted to know, like if it was what kind of was involved. And you gave me an overview. And so I was just going to say then. So then you moved on to to kind of do a master's in coaching. How did how did you come about that decision?
1: Yeah, so in the meantime, kind of 10 years passed. Um, so my previous master's, I would have finished up in... 2011 so literally 10 years ago mm-hmm. um so during that 10 years I would have worked in and out of Orti, different uh, I suppose media houses and production companies I would have worked in the Gaty School of Acting for a brief time I've kind of done a little bit of everything um radio featured heavily in my experience okay music features heavily in my experience and during those ten years, you know yourself different things happen. you end up moving around, you meet different people and but fundamentally, the catalyst was I had moved home about it's probably seven years ago now um to help look after my grandmother. She was mm-hmm. ill uh well, she wasn't ill, she was actually just getting old yeah, thankfully. she needed the he- extra help, yeah, so I was kind of looking out for her, still do music and the few gigs here and there um And again, I'm not a voice teacher, but everybody who I have ever worked with is a voice vocal professional. Yeah. Whether they are a radio presenter, a television presenter, a singer in a choir, whatever, Mm -hmm. they all use their voices professionally. So I've always had an interest and I suppose I've always been that sideline. So whether I've been involved in the production area or whether I've been the accompanist, I've always kind of had this 360 view of what's going on without uh, it it's rare I'm I'm the performer it's more so I'm I'm behind the scenes if you will so as a result I was like the more information I have about this the better so I signed up I did the course and during the course there was several different people over the course of the weekend who were giving talks and lectures and a couple of them really resonated and the common theme amongst all of them was they were all performance coaches Mm -hmm. And there was a penny drop moment when Dave Stroud was talking about a particular piece of music. And he had outlined, a, I suppose, a kind of a case study. And he'd outlined it and he said, You know, how would you work with this singer without going into technical vocal yeah. science? And bear in mind now, I'm the odd one out in this room. Everybody around me is a voice teacher slash mm-hmm. voice professional. And I'm kind of winging it, really.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: You know? You're just like, I'm uh, going
0: to learn something here.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, I do tend to do that. I tend to like stick myself in awkward situations because,
0: it, yeah, I, I don't know. I enjoy that. Diamonds form under pressure, isn't that what they say? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, something like that.
0: So, yeah, whatever he was saying
1: anyway, different people were putting up their hands in terms of how they deal with this particular section of music. And, uh, you know, people were saying, oh, I'd get them to go back to the straw. No, he says that's technical. Oh, I'd get them to do scales. No, he says that's technical. Oh, I'd get them to whatever, all these answers, which were absolutely on the ball in terms of how you would work with a singer technically to get through it. But whatever answer I came up with was I'd asked them to sing just this bit again. And he said, why? I said, because when they sang it, they were connected on that line. Mm. And he went, exactly. Mm And I'll never forget that. And I was like, oh, my God, I see this. Suddenly, not everybody else sees this. I didn't know this wasn't common knowledge. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Oh, wow. And within a few minutes, stars kind of started to align. And there and then, that weekend, I was still in the lecture hall. Sorry to whoever was speaking at the time. But I actually Googled and I saw where could I do a coaching course? love it. And UCC was the place to do it. So mm. that was April. Uh, I was straight on to UCC. And in September, I started.
0: I love it. I love it. You see, sometimes, like, we do know in us what we want to do. But sometimes we don't know it consciously. And it, it takes for us to see ourselves mirrored in our in our surroundings and other people. Like, you, you kind of were mirrored back in that situation there that made you go have that feeling of this feels right and this is where I'm going to go next I love Uh, that I love how life just throws these things at you and you just have to kind of go with your intuition almost
1: 100 and I mean even at that you know I would have met performance coaches previously um you know I I met a wonderful guy Jerry Hussey and he spoke at Wellfest and that really really resonated with me but it wasn't the right time Mm mm-hmm And again, it's not until you look back on these things, I think retrospectively, that you suddenly realize, oh, okay, I couldn't have seen it then. I wasn't in the position to see it until whatever else happened first. Um, So, yeah, I think right time is is imperative. But yes, you know, as you say, in the subconscious, that's precisely what coaching is all about. Mm -hmm. It's bringing the subconscious, the unconsciousness into conscious awareness. Yeah. So as to enable choice. So as to open doors and windows, so that you can see, as you rightly said, what's actually been maybe there all along, or what has been there but it didn't, it wasn't the right time.
0: What would you say would be some of the top, um, like qualities a good coach should have? What or what would be the the kind of main aims or kind of goals of a coach in a situation where they're coaching someone?
1: Mm-hmm. In terms of qualities, a good listener, empathetic, authentic, and connected to themselves
2: because
1: mm-hmm. it's imperative that somebody who is working as a coach is looking after themselves first and foremost. Um, it's absolutely critical to the work that we do, that we have supervision constantly, whether that's peer supervision, you know, it's, it's part of, well, I'm a member of the association for coaching and it's part of the ethical guidelines that I have signed up for in that, that I receive supervision on a continuous constant basis. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm constantly doing the work and having done the two years in UCC, there's a lot of work. (laughs) There's a lot of uncovering yourself in that. And it's, you know, it's again, to use the woo-woo or the cliche word, it's a journey and it's never ending. But what happens, I suppose, is you become less fearful and you become an awful lot more aware. You become a lot more accepting of both yourself and other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and non-judgmental, I think, is the other fundamental in terms of equality because ultimately everybody's just trying to do their best.
0: Yeah, I love that. I, when When that... Someone said that to me once and it was actually not someone said it to me. Russell Brand said it to me when he released some video at some point.
1: I love how you just had the chats with Russell.
2: I
0: know. Yeah, he was speaking right to me. Um, He said something about I think he might have been talking about in the context of like parents or something about people being angry at parents or something like that. And they were like, everyone is just doing the best that they know how, even if it's kind of. Doesn't appear to be the right thing or the best thing. Like, realistically, there's very few people in this world who are actually evil and really actually want to hurt you. People hurt you all the time, but they don't necessarily mean to. They're only navigating life in the best way that they've been equipped um, as they have grown up. And when I, when that, when I, when that kind of realization came to me. It just made me see people differently. That in my life, that I'm, you know, previously that I might have felt like um, resentful towards or anger towards, It kind of helped me let go of all of that. I was like, "That makes so much sense." Do you know?
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's I mean,
0: those aha moments.
1: Yeah, and that's the beauty of getting older, isn't it? Because mm. we, we we stumble upon these things, and again, you reach it and you kind of go, "Why didn't I think of this before now?" But you know the the cliche you probably have heard the hurt people hurt people
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: it's true and there's not a single person on this planet that doesn't have some sort of trauma hasn't gone through some sort of hardship in their lives unfortunately that's part of being human um but yeah i think it's just to come at situations and people as as openly and as um authentically as possible um mm-hmm. And listen, you're not going to get on with everybody. And that's perfectly okay. Yeah, That's perfectly fine. Again, go back to that saying we had at the beginning, your vibe attracts your tribe. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And and that's quite literally what it is, you know. Um, You got to do what you want to do. Whatever lights you up. And again, I know it's woo-woo and I know we've overheard it or whatever. If it brings you joy, if it brings some sort of positivity and addition to your life, if there's an element of fulfillment to it, do it. Figure out a way, make it happen. And the people that see that are probably the people that are also chasing something similar. Mm -hmm. They will be the people on the same journey, on similar wavelengths, you know, chasing something similar. They're the people you need around you, and they're the people you'll attract by virtue of the fact that you're doing it.
0: Yeah. So what kind of people need a coach? What kind of people need you? <laughs>
1: um well fundamentally and I'm not going to give you a cheesy answer but fundamentally anybody can avail of coaching it can be ben- beneficial for anybody. The trick is you got to want to do the work. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a position where something needs to change, so for example when I'm working with performers or people who take to stages or communication communicate Communication professionals, excuse me. Ironically, I get tongue-tied on that word. Um, <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, it's, I suppose if they want to overcome things like stage fright or if there's some sort of anxiety standing in their way or if it's a case of they want to reach for something higher than what they're already doing. So whether it's a different kind of role, an audition process, whether there's something more or whether they just kind of need to get that work-life balance. And I know myself being a creative, we can become very obsessive with our work because it's so much of who we are. Mm. So there are some people who maybe, you know, need to strike a little bit better balance between family life or home life and their work. Um, So those kind of issues would be very common, but then again, everybody comes to it for a different reason. Fundamentally, I like, we have this cliche expression. I work with the worried well.
2: Okay. So
1: it's the people who are doing pretty good, but they just want to get that bit extra. They mm-hmm. want that step ahead, they want to really reach for their full potential. My area is not dealing with severe underlying trauma. um, I suppose issues that would debilitate somebody on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. That's for more uh, a therapy setting. That's not my qualification. That's not my remit. So, yeah, I work with people of all different backgrounds, but fundamentally, I'm applying this to the background that I know and the areas that I have experience in, which would be TV, radio, sound production, Musicians, mm-hmm. artists of those kinds. So,
0: so people who, who work in the creative industries. Mm-hmm. So question, how do you, how do creative people balance keeping their creativity alive and the grind?
1: Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say I have a solid answer because Mm -hmm. number one, everybody is different. So I know a lot of creative people who are very, very business minded and they just happen to be naturally good at, you know, the self-promotion, the marketing. Then there are other people who just aren't. It's not their thing. And they would rather pay somebody else to do it. Um, There's no hard and fast rule with any of it, but I suppose from my perspective, it is much more beneficial that you remain whole and as near to 100% in yourself where possible. Mm -hmm. If your levels of whatever fulfillment, your energy depletes, you're not going to be able to perform optimally. Yeah. That's now a problem. So if the balance of grind and creativity means that everything dips, then that's something we really have to have a look at. If it's a case of, yeah, all right, it's a tough slog, but we can figure it out. Okay, cool. But the third option is maybe you need to get some help.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So are there people that you know who are involved in, whether it's marketing, creativity, um, agents, management that can give you a dig out? Are there people who are more experienced in this area? Maybe you have a friend who's already gotten to the status at which you want to get. Can you have a chat with them and ask them for advice on it? Or can you afford to hire somebody else to come in and do whatever that job is, whether it's building a website, whether it's representing yourself and getting your name out there for gigs? Um, So I suppose they'd be the options that are potential. But again, what I'm looking at is, is the person themselves operating at a good level or are they going under? Because that's the real issue.
0: Yeah, so you're kind of looking at like... um like the individuals, like energy, mental health, physical health, like are they eating well? Are they sleeping well? Are they taking too much on? And kind of trying to get the the vessel to be as efficient as it can be before it can work and do things for other people and even for their business.
1: Yeah, a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, we all have to do things we don't like every so often. Again, unfortunately, it's just a part of this roller coaster that's life. <laughs> but if it's is doable while you can still maintain yourself okay cool and then like that as I say you might be you might need a bit of advice or you might need to do a course or whatever that gets you over the hump and and gets you to where you want to be or it might just be the slog and you got to put in the time and you got to do the accounts or whatever but if it's a case of that is A long-term thing that is actually depleting your art form, in particular, because I suppose when we're working with artists of Mm -hmm. any kind, like that's the fundamental. Like, if the person isn't able to perform, what's the point in the marketing themselves? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know what I mean. So, if that grind is totally actually killing who and what they are, then that you know that's something that we really need to look at. So, yes, optimal person, as you rightly said, in terms of their overall health fitness well-being and then let's have a look at what's coming in on top of them
0: so you so okay so then let's say our vessel has gotten all the self-help that they need or the help from others that they need and they're as good as they can be and now it's time to start organizing their life and pushing forward with their goals so where, so say for example um let's just let's just maybe put an example on it for a specific one because i know that like each coaching session is tailored for each individual so it's different so say um let's say um okay there's loads of creative people out there who um just want to create they just want to like write songs or create their art or whatever it is and do that but they might not be interested in like marketing themselves or promoting themselves or sending all the emails out to like PR and all that stuff where would you start with that person how would you help them kind of make sense of it all
1: well it starts with what did they want
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, you know it's never my job to rush in and tell somebody what to do
2: Mm -hmm. absolutely not
1: I am, I am not walking in their shoes. I do not have their history. I do not understand any of the influences they've had in their life. Absolutely, we get to know each other and, you know, there will be a certain amount of rapport built up. But fundamentally, what do you want to do? Because maybe that person just wants to write songs. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't want those songs to ever be on a radio station or performed live in a gig. Maybe they do. Um so fundamentally I suppose what I do is I support them in whatever they need and we work on that but it's never my job to sway or to influence and absolutely I can make suggestions I can ask mm-hmm. questions you know what I mean I I it, it is a coach's nature to be curious um but it's never my job to guide that is the job of a mentor Mm -hmm. it's never my job to do it for you that is the job of a consultant Mm -hmm. or agent or manager or somebody else that you want to pay to do that my job is to get the best out of you in terms of what you want to achieve
0: okay okay so earlier we were talking about um how like trauma from the past like whether that would be that has been like an accumulative kind of trauma that has built up maybe a single occasion or two that how that trauma can be held inside us and how that can affect our, our work. So say for, for singers, for example, you could have a singer come into a um, a session. You could be working with a a singer who, who may have some kind of issue, maybe they're presenting with like some hoarseness or something. Um, but you're, but nothing that you're trying with them is working out. So maybe we might need to send them to, um, a coach like yourself to see if there is some other kind of issue there, or a therapist, one or the other. So, how how can that um trauma kind of um affect our 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 work, our singing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, a lovely man by the name of Stephen Porges came up with polyvagal theory, and essentially it focuses focuses around the vagus nerve. So, as singers, I think anybody who has maybe um A knowledge of vocal science will probably be aware that the vagus nerve has to do with our larynx and our pharynx and all of the bits that make the voice right so it's paramount to how we speak and communicate Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what it also does is it regulates nervous our nervous systems so when somebody feels threatened or when they've undergone some sort of trauma the nervous system stores that And I instinctively do this because it's the body. The body stores that. So while your mind might have gotten past the issue and gotten over it, should another occasion arise that might even be mildly familiar to what had happened previously, it's potential that the body can trigger. And there's three different modes. So we'll have heard of fight and flight. We'll have heard of freeze. And then this guy, Stephen Porges, came up with this center zone, which is the social engagement mode, right? This is the sweet spot. This is the beautiful place where all performers want to be when they're going on stage. So you're nicely heightened. You're nicely aroused, Mm -hmm. verging into the fight flight. Mm -hmm. but You're nicely grounded and you're not going to take off.
0: You're in control. You know what
1: you're doing. You're in control, right? So there we have a little bit of the parasympathetic nervous system kicking in. So there's this kind of um, kind of like driving a car. Yeah, you've got a little bit of brake, but we're still kind of accelerating. There's a nice kind of a balance going on there. Mm -hmm. That's where you want to be when you're performing. In the case of somebody who's traumatized, their body might read safety signals as being unsafe for whatever, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, whatever has happened to them. And in that case, they find it a lot more difficult to hit that sweet spot. It's a lot more difficult for them to read the signs of safety, to understand that their body like that is in that slightly heightened zone, but we are in control. There can be nuances to it because of the underlying trauma. Mm-hmm. So in terms of, as we say, a vocalist, the actual proximity of these nerves is like they're they're together. They're completely tied. Mm-hmm. So you can tell when somebody's emotional. You can tell when somebody's upset. You can tell when somebody's heightened. You can tell a hell of a lot by somebody's voice. You know, when we're on the phone, you can hear somebody smile. Mm hmm. Right, so these are all cues, and also our auditory system is all tied into this as well. So it's really, really interesting. Um, but fundamentally, the voice will show signs of whether it's emotion, trauma, whatever's going on. Probably more, probably before somebody will even cogn- cognitively be able to express it.
0: Mm. And when we when we met earlier and had a chat, we were talking about how body work or connecting with your breath can actually help you um, manage that situation when that happens to you. So do you want to maybe talk a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. So deep belly breaths. Um, Anybody who has ever done yoga, who has ever sang, who has ever meditated, you'll be familiar with this, right? So we've known this for generations and generations and generations, right? Mm -hmm. But a deep, deep belly breath, right? And to slow the breath rightly down can actually help regulate the nervous systems yet again. All right. So it just gets that balance more in the sweet spot than in the overactive or in the underactive. Um, So belly breaths are incredibly important. In terms of body work, taking the deep breath, you know, body scans are very familiar. You'll find loads of them on YouTube or uh, the Headspace app. But to actually familiarize yourself with what's going on in the body. And it might be a case of, oh, I'm holding tension in my shoulders things that we just don't notice because we've we're so busy or say for example you've just run in the door of a music lesson and you're only after running out of the door of work
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you're up to here right and in which case you're operating from the shoulders up you're just in your head you've abandoned your body you're like yeah no it's grand yeah okay we're singing okay and breathe and go and breathe and go yeah right and it becomes a tick box exercise instead of hang on just take three deep breaths just give it a second Let's find out what's going on here, and if there is something that needs a little bit of attention, you know, give yourself the space to do that. The greatest thing we can do for ourselves is to take those deep belly breaths and slow down.
0: Mm. You were saying, was it four seven eight? You said to me earlier. Yeah. Explain what that is.
1: Yeah, so it's a a breathing technique. I don't know who came up with it, Um, but you breathe in for the count of four, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: hold it for the count of seven. And you exhale for the count of eight. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Obviously, what that does is it gives you a slower exhale. All right. So your
0: heart rate down, right? Because the heart pumps and that affects the breathing down, right?
1: Yeah. It's mm-hmm. all connected. Your respiratory system, your heart rate, all of this is all connected. And it's all to do with the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous systems. All right. Mm. But what you're doing is you're down regulating. So your parasympathetic nervous system is the, all right, let's calm it down. Let's cool it down. Yeah, we're okay. Right. So the, the break, right. This is what you want just to kind of ease it in. Yeah. And it's not that you're switching off that heightened state. Cause again, anybody who knows in terms of a performance, you like that edge, And you like that little bit of switched on and that extra heightened and extra alert, but it's, if that's kicking in, we'll say before, we'll say you're just going into a rehearsal or, you know what I mean? That's where you need the deep belly breaths just to recenter, just to ground. But actually what it's teaching us is a hell of a lot about our bodies. Mm. And what we don't realize is our bodies are the first port of call when it comes to entering a new environment our body judges whether the environment or the people in the environment are safe or not for us. And it goes back to, you know, primates and, you know, fundamentally being animals. Mm. Our instincts, we talk about gut and we talk about intuition, our instincts read the room.
0: Yeah, we were, yeah, we mentioned, we chatted about this earlier as well. And like, it's interesting to think because we, I would th- would have thought that it's all from the brain first but what you're saying is there's some research done that shows that's it's actually your body.
2: Yeah.
0: Would it t- would that tie into intuition as totally. well? Or is it something yeah. that's a bit different? Yeah.
1: I mean, have, have you ever walked into a room and suddenly just got a weird vibe? Oh, yeah. And gone, right. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. Or, mm-hmm. or you've
1: walked into a room and gone, I need to go and talk to that person. Yeah. Having no previous relationship, but, but kind of naturally there was something drawing you there. Yeah. Right. That's your nervous system. It knows things your brain will never understand. Um, it's pre-programmed. So say, for example, really good example, right? If you put your hand on something hot,
2: mm-hmm.
1: before you feel the heat, you snap back your hand. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of midway through your hand coming back that your brain goes, <laughs> that's hot. But your body has already
0: done it. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of, you know, I don't know if this. I'm terrified of spiders, and like if a, a spider comes on a video on my phone and I'm scrolling, I will literally without even thinking, I'll go, Wah! and I'll throw my phone across the room. Like, I, like, it's not even that I think about it. It's just it's a, re- a reflex.
1: Precisely. And that's because somewhere deep in your nervous system, there's a trauma related to spiders and it's a memory that's locked in. Right. There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. <laughs> OK. Right. right? Yeah. So you, your body remembers like way more than your brain ever will.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: all stored. Um, and as a result, when we're performing or when we're preparing for or just even being creative in general, For us to neglect that wisdom is a complete disservice to what we are capable of. Mm. So I suppose my approach is very much, okay, let's slow down. Let's take, even if it's just the start of a singing lesson, for example, let's just take five. Ever and always, when I work with singers as an accompanist, I have a good 10-minute conversation with them before we ever sing a note. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And there's two reasons for that. Number one, vocally, I suppose I'm checking what shape they're in. Do we need to do warm-ups or are they good? Mm
2: -hmm. Number
1: two, I need to know where they're at energetically. Yeah. And you talk about mirroring. We have mirror neurons. Our nervous systems pick up other people's nervous systems. This is why we know this person is not a good person. I don't want to be around them. Mm -hmm. Or this person's great. I love their energy. I need to be with them. This is your nervous system. But similarly, when I'm working with singers, that's what I'm feeding so, I know my nervous system well enough that I can detect what's going, what's, I suppose, theirs and what's mine. Mm. So, if there's something after coming into a room, I know where it's come from. So, whether it's I've gotten nervous mm-hmm. or it's somebody else.
0: Yeah, that can happen. Sometimes you just start feeling a bit on edge sometimes. And it could be just that maybe somebody else in the room is on edge. And for me anyway, to think talking, like, just, like, maybe, like, talking about the elephant in the room can actually really help. I know, like, in a situation where you're coaching a a client, you might not, um, you might not want to, like, ask them kind of deep, vulnerable, personal questions, but even just, like, taking a minute to, like, get them to know, like, relax their shoulders, and maybe just focus on their breathing, and just, you know, make sure they're standing sturdy on the ground and like just taking them out of their head for a minute and getting them to like notice their body. Because I know for me, sometimes I feel like I'm not in my body. Sometimes I feel like it's just my my mind. It's like I'm not having an out of body experience or anything, but that I just am and connected with my body. It's like I forget that I have this vessel that I can do things with like. Mm-hmm. Do you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Completely. I mean it's say for example, you're rushing around the house and you're running out the door and you're late. Yeah. And you bang into something on the way. You might briefly register that pain, but you won't register that pain as much as if you had time to register that pain. Yeah. In the meantime, you run in the door, you get into work, you're whatever. And it gets to lunchtime and suddenly you realize, Jesus, my leg is really sore. What the hell mm. happened that? <laughs> right. So the mind is totally taken over. You've gone into fight or flight mode. There's loads of sympathetic nervous system kicking in. You're go, 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 go. And it's not until you eventually sit down, have managed to regulate the system that you realize what has actually happened. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we can do that, which is sometimes it's very beneficial. Again, in the case of trauma, there can be real benefits to our body shutting down. There can be real benefits to that. Mm -hmm way that our nervous system regulates that we don't register pain that can be a very very good thing and that can be necessary for our survival sometimes
2: yeah but
1: where it's not necessary is like that in a moment like that where all it took was just going I can't be laid twice breathe Um,
0: question so what would be one or two ways that you that you use personally To like bring yourself back to that center when you're you're feeling a little bit hectic and you're kind of you're not able to focus. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I suppose cues for me. Right. So one of my cues is I get back tension. Right. So I get this kind of burny feeling in my back. And when I notice that burny feeling in my back, that means it's been going on a while. I'm kind of coming to it late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the minute I feel that and usually it kind of starts in my mid back and creeps up into the shoulders and you get that bit of shoulder tension. I don't know if you've ever experienced that next thing you start doing this almost instinctively. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In my case and in most people's cases, that's actually emotional tension coming up and out. So a few things you can do sit exactly where you are in that moment, sit, stand, whatever you want. And simply notice. Can I feel my 10 toes on the ground? Can mm-hmm. I feel my sit bones on the chair? What sounds are around me? What aromas are around me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then just notice to where your breathing's at. Don't change a single thing. Just notice. And then take your couple of deep belly breaths. I'm
0: taking a breath now. Sure. I hold my breath a lot and I don't realize I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So it is good to know to like
1: what in makes, it for a sec. What makes you notice when you are doing it? What what makes you go? Oh, I've been holding my breath.
0: Well, when I run out of breath, and I'm like, <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm like, do you know what I mean?
1: Uh-huh. but is there anything in the shoulders? Is there anything in the chest, or is it just lack of oxygen?
0: I think I'm very stiff sometimes as well. Like especially in my my chest. Like I feel like st- stiff up in this area when I when I'm like that. I kind of get tense. And I don't even realize that I'm kind of holding myself tense until I kind of go, let go. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) I didn't realize I was holding myself so tense. Mm -hmm.
1: So long exhales. Mm -hmm. That's all. If you remember to exhale, your body naturally breathes in. So just focus on the exhale. Um, And again, your four, seven, eight, prime example, the eight is obviously the longest count. So it's the Mm -hmm. long exhale. So now that can work for some people it might not work for other people because some people will have maybe um a kind of an anxiety attached to their breath but thankfully for most of us it's the easiest way to just regulate those nervous systems and just ground ourselves and be okay again mm. um as a continual practice meditation i personally find is really really good yeah again all it is is it's another type of skill and it's another type of training That leads you to being able to distinguish what's important and what's not. So in terms of like our minds have, I don't know how many thousands of thoughts in a minute, right? Not all of that is relevant. A lot of that is noise. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What meditation does is it just trains you to notice. And that's all you're doing. You kind of step outside yourself and you notice. A lot of people have this misconception about meditation that it's about silencing the mind and you should be just to be able to go completely quiet. No, it's kind of like looking at a movie of what's going on inside your mind. And from that, you gain this kind of step back zone where you almost become a third person to yourself. That's a great place to be in terms of leverage and power. Again, it means that when you're in stressful situations, the more you train it, the more capable you are of stepping outside, the more capable you are of gaining the control back in whatever's going on around you. And finding the peace and the center in yourself, because no matter what's happening out here, you always have access to what's in here.
0: Yeah. And then when your mind is clear, then, of course, you'll be able to work towards your goals more efficiently because you'll be able to think straight and make better decisions.
1: Well, as well, you like, again, it's not necessarily absolutely clear in the mind and having one train of thought. Mm-hmm. You be Very familiar with the little thought patterns and the bubbles that pop into your head. And you'll be like, oh, there I am thinking about dinner again. Cool. And you just spend less time on those things because you become more familiar with, I suppose, the little patterns and the little routines that you have. Mm -hmm. And getting to know yourself like that, it gives you that space. And that's what it's all about. It's about creating space and creating choice. And the more space you can create, the more choice you have because you can step back and you can see more clearly. So absolutely, it makes you that bit more efficient in terms of okay, this is actually what I need to do. This is where I need to focus for the next 20 minutes in order to get A, B, and C done. Or this is what I actually need to be doing today. So it just, yeah. it, um, it kind of pigeonholes things, I suppose, in a way. But I like that idea of bubbles because it doesn't take all of your thoughts away. It doesn't eliminate all that you are. Quite the opposite. It embraces all that you are and just allows space around it.
0: Yeah, I think when I said that, I was thinking more in the context, if you do it regularly, it kind of to me to put like a a, vi- a visual on it to me it's like um a lid and it stops the pot from boiling over do you know so it's just like sometimes you just have to take the lid off to let the water calm down maybe turn the heat down a little bit mm-hmm. and like the more you you might have to keep doing that mm-hmm. but the more you do it the less likely you are to boil over so therefore you're not going to have these burnouts as often mm-hmm. if you just give yourself more of these moments of even if it's just like a quick body scan like at the, even at the start of a singing lesson for example or even at the start of your day like just noticing there are my shoulders there are my hands there are my legs there are my knees that's meditation
1: yeah do you know absolutely you know you talk about mindfulness I know they're teaching that in schools right now amazing yes but and I'm going to be controversial yes it's taught with a textbook That's not mindfulness, Hmm. in my opinion. Yes, it's wonderful to learn about it. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely, we need the theory and we need the information. But mindfulness is, you know, going to the beach and listening to the waves and smelling and tasting the salt of the air. And mindfulness is sitting in front of a live orchestra and being so absorbed by the timpani Booming through your chest, and the violins coming in, and the flutes coming in—that nothing in the world outside of this moment is relevant.
0: Yeah, I love that. Right, like getting off that phone more often.
1: Totally, and (laughs) enjoying
0: life, nature—the
1: greatest ruination of like that. Our ability, as you you said, you know, taking the pot off the boil. Yeah. So in what you said, I am the person seeing the pot is boiling. Mm -hmm. And being able to take it off the boil. I'm not in the freaking pot. Mm. That's the difference, right? So when you're in your phone and like that, you know, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have all these things. You know, TikTok, TikTok, I find personally super overwhelming.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: I can feel the elevation in my heart rate. I can feel I start those shallow breaths when I'm looking at anything. I'm actually not a member of it. People just send me videos because it's bad for me it's that short attention span and mm-hmm. that way social media and our phones are driving us because it's look at this for 30 seconds look at this for 10 seconds look at this for five seconds and in the meantime you've completely lost sight of what you were doing you know it's why if you even look at your phone to check the time the next thing you know 15 minutes are gone
0: yeah it's an it's it's just a um we're being programmed to have a short attention span because they're trying to like shove so many different images and brands and ideas and things that they want to sell at us and all the rest. Da, 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 da. It's like, like I even find sometimes people don't know how to t- have a conversation. Like even just like, I think I remember noticing it um, when I was driving up and down to like Port Ireland and I'd go into the petrol station on the motorway, like, and I'd be trying to have a conversation with the person behind the counter and They just wouldn't, they just wouldn't engage. And I don't know if that's because they're just not used to like having that more in-depth conversation or if it's an attention span thing or if it's that they're, I don't know, shy or what it is. But I feel like people are losing the ability to connect with themselves and others around them. And partly it's due to what we're seeing online and all that as well. So,
1: Absolutely. You know, shortened attention span. Comparing ourselves to others, as you said, all this advertising and this kind of i suppose perfection and all of these idealistic mm-hmm. everybody with a gray house, you know mm-hmm. I, like all of these things were kind of put on this pedestal and and um we live in an economic driven society it's it's about money, yeah mm-hmm. that's that's the way our society is built, be that for good or bad, that's the way it is, and unfortunately, that doesn't account for the human beings that are living these lives mm-hmm. I mean you t- you mentioned the word burnout it is so so common for people you know of younger ages nowadays to burn out these are words that we'll say our grandparents never used not to say it didn't happen maybe mm-hmm. they didn't have I suppose the you know the we knowledge have a, the knowledge and you know mental health is such a, a widely spoken about thing nowadays thank god but It just wasn't that way because when they had a problem, they went and had a conversation with somebody. They were in neighbors' houses. They were, you know, down the pub or whatever, the local post office. There was communal meetings. And, you know, we are social beings. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Look at us in lockdown. Like, the first thing I noticed in lockdown was when I went out for walks, people all of a sudden were walking with their gaze upwards they were no longer yeah. stopping their phones yeah
0: right it was the first
1: thing I noticed I was like holy crap people have stopped looking at their phone while they're walking down the street
0: mm-hmm. I've yeah. noticed the difference as well actually in people I think people are more willing to engage even when they bump into you on the street and stuff yeah big time, <laughs> it's right? interesting
1: and and we need that that's fundamental You going back to our nervous system chat co-regulation right so we actually co-regulate one another so again the mirror neurons and all of this but the energy that you are holding regulates the energy that I am holding it is how we deal and cope and you know it's how people have gotten through extremely stressful situations together and um, we need other people it is fundamental you know the cliche no man is an island mm-hmm. this is fundamental to our health and wellness yeah. we need other people and that comes from eye contact, vocalization, auditory, the nervous system thing all going on, right? So it's a combination of everything. But this is fundamental in terms of how we feel, how we relate to one another, our society, our communication, all of this encompassed.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. I feel like I wonder if like the effects of being locked down will will last. I wonder if like, people will remember, we're all guilty of it, I say people as in everyone else other than me, but like I'm guilty of it too, of remembering that like it is important to be connected with the physical beings around you and you know, it is important to like take time away from your phone and it is important to like spend time in nature and like, I don't know, like walk barefoot on the grass and like in the sea or I don't know, go for a forest walk and hug a tree or something like that, that that stuff is important.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think we're entering a, a a new age whereby, you know, we use the woo woo expression and there's an extremist move towards like that, barefoot walking, grounding. Um, you know, people are using a lot more natural remedies again and essential oils are coming back in and eating healthier and, you know, veganism and plant health and all of this. This is all becoming really, really loud. So what I'm seeing is a complete divide in terms of people who are seeking that level of connection, whether it's the food that they eat, the people that they relate to, the conversations that they have, the type of media that they choose to consume, or those who are completely in, just don't want to know, just ignore all of it, live from the shoulders up and keep going Yeah. until they have a heart attack or God forbid something else terrible happens. Um
2: mm.
1: because yeah. that's what we're seeing, you know what I mean. So I think it will be very, very interesting over the next couple of years in terms of how society is going to go. I think it is crucial that any of us who are this way inclined in terms of wanting to be our best selves, wanting to, I suppose, maintain a level of productivity and reach for our goals and achieve these things, actually get to know ourselves mm-hmm. internally and also find that deep connection inward so that if and when we are in these stressful situations, if and when we are, you know, working with people who maybe aren't of the same ethos, perfectly fine and well, but that we can find that grounding and center within ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like with lockdown, I think it's given people an opportunity to step back a little bit. And I think probably there are some people who Maybe I have gotten a bit of a fright in a way, like in a good way, but oh my God, I've been just go, 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 go for all these years. And I don't need to do that. I don't need to like be out spending all my wages every, every week on crap that's going to end up in the dump and in the sea and all the rest. Like, I don't need that. I don't need to work as much. Maybe I need, like, I need to be at home work with my family. I actually really enjoy this. They're not that bad, you know? Yeah. uh, people just go and they don't realize so
1: well it's as i say it's an economic driven society and there is a rat race Mm -hmm. and there's you know there's huge societal expectations we touched on it briefly earlier you know you and i are both in our early 30s and there's certain levels of status which in theory we are supposed to have adhered to and ironically i i noticed an awful lot of my peer group who would be people actually of various ages i i have very um what diverse group of friends,
2: mm-hmm. um
1: they would always come back and say, Oh, sure, do you mind, don't mind that. You don't have to adhere. You don't have. Mm-hmm. But I still feel that pressure because yeah. it's a very real thing. And I think to deny it entirely, of course, absolutely. I am honest to God, I have a wonderful life. I am so, so grateful for the people and experiences I have. I can't even begin to tell you, and I won't get mm-hmm. in. I'll get all gushy (laughs) but there is something external coming in word as well and whether that's I don't know to own a flashy car to have a mortgage to have a partner to have kids whatever that is that's there and we can't ignore it it is a part of life as it is however Mm -hmm. like I talked about before if you can find the port in the stormy sea and if you can find that foundation and strength and calm in word, in yourself, you have achieved another level of superpower and another level of choice and freedom and space that just elevates everything you ever do to the next level.
0: I love that. I think that's actually a really nice place to finish it up. Thank you so much for your time, Darren. I absolutely love that conversation we got deep and I hope people get some value from it and maybe maybe think about what they need to do for themselves moving forward and how can people contact you, Darren, if they if they want to book a session with you or have a chat to you?
1: Yes, you'll find me on both Facebook and Instagram under Wild Coaching
2: W Y L D Coaching.
0: Thank you. So